Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. B-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. What did he with this? Hurts. First down and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. Once again, for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered, powered by Believe Podcast Network and sponsored by BetOnline.ag, the best sports betting website around. Christmas is here. Make some money back from all those presents you bought. Promo code Believe B L E A V to match your initial deposit up to fifty percent on BetOnline.ag. And remember, of course, BetterHelp.com/slash Eagles E A G L E S Eagles for ten percent off your first month of online therapy. The holiday season's tough, especially if you're alone. You're not always alone, though. Remember, we're here to help you guys out. Use that promo link to get 10% off your first month of online therapy. Co-host Connor Miles, my co-host Ed Crass, as always. We hope you guys have a Merry Christmas this year and a great Happy New Year as well. Hope this holiday season's very, very going very well for you guys. And uh, Ed, let's just get right into it. So this last episode that you and I spoke on, we talked about how this could potentially be the end for Sean Desai. Uh, Nick Sirianni, like you said yourself, Nick Sirianni does not like when this team is dead last in any or la- bottom five in any of the categories they were on defense. They made a switch in defensive play callers. They didn't technically fire Sean Desai, but they really did in an essence and made Matt Patricia the play caller. Now, my one thing that I thought was interesting here was Chris Long made a comment on his podcast that I thought, wow, people should really think about this a little bit more and and into uh, the reasoning on why they made this switch from defensive play caller is he said that when he met with Matt Patricia, when he went around doing his podcast current training camp tour and he was in Philly and he met with Pat Patricia, he got the feeling that he was plan B if plan A doesn't work out, that he wasn't just a guy being brought in to be a fill a role. He was always the plan B if plan A doesn't work out. And remember folks, I know you guys remember this if you're an Eagles fan, but for all those out there listening to as well, the Eagles were very late to the party when it came to hiring a defensive coordinator. They were the last team in the league to fill that defensive coordinator spot. So it wasn't like they had the, a great picking in front of them. And they 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 assumed if Gannon would move on to a head coaching role, they would get Vic Fangio. And that, that confusion there, if Gannon was leaving or not, and all the stuff behind their back about the Cardinals that they weren't aware of, kind of led Vanga going to Miami Dolphins and not knowing if he would actually have a future with the Eagles. So... That all led to them picking defensive coordinator to last. And I think that feeds more into this change than people realize uh, when changing defensive play callers. And to be honest, Ed, I don't I don't think it's that much drastic of a change for the Eagles. This is something that a change that this coaching staff itself has gone through before on the offensive side of the ball when Nick Sirianni relinquished play calling to St. Seichen. Now, would I like it to happen earlier in the year? Yes chemistry and roster purposes and getting everything in in motion yes but this team's gone through it before they weathered this storm before and they turned out beautiful at the end of it and i'm going to give this one its fair chance too as well patricia has the experience he has the resume we'll see how it goes i just want to hear your thoughts on it after having a full week to really digest it and to also hear patricia in his first press conference what are your thoughts yeah i'm i'm kind of surprised i know you know we talked about the sign and that defense being kind of you know bottom five and so many important categories and Sirianni not liking that, but, you know, 
Sirianni said that we're 10 and three, you know, that was going into Seattle, you know, they won 10 games and, you know, kind of a midstream switch like this. Uh, you know, I know he did it with Steichen handing the play calling to Steichen uh, last year, but I mean, it was kind of surprising to me that they did it. And then, you know, Sirianni kind of, you know, bent the truth a little bit, if you will, by saying that they're not going to change anything when he knew full well that he was going to make that move. He said he made it midweek for game planning purposes, but yet it didn't come out until, you know, the day before the game on Sunday. And, you know, he defended himself by saying, you know, hey, I, I wanted to let my team know first before I let anybody else know. And, you know, I get it, I guess. But, you know, it was still four or five days where he sat on the news uh, before the Eagles released it to the national media, which they always do. You know, they always give it to Schefter or Rappaport. They never talk to the local media about any of that stuff. So, uh, you know, it comes out the day before. And I was surprised, uh, you know, and, and I'm still a little surprised, to be honest. I, you know, Desai is still the defensive coordinator in name only. Uh, he's probably going to be gone at the end of this year. Uh, I'm surprised he just didn't say the heck with it and, and leave now, but I guess he wants to keep his, uh, you know, resume still in good standing, uh, for the, you know, the off season search that he's going to go on. Uh, and I'm not sure the Eagles will stick with Patricia going into next season. I think this is going to be an open job, uh, for the Eagles to go look for a defensive coordinator. I mean, Patricia's a good fill in at this point, I guess, you know, I mean, the, the personnel hasn't changed any, you know, is he going to be different? He didn't blitz at all on that final drive that the Seahawks had. I mean, you know, that is an embarrassment, what the Eagles like happened to them in the final minute and 52 of that game, trying to protect the 17, 13 lead. So yeah, I was, uh, you know, I thought Patricia's def- he did a, had a de- done a decent job up until that point, as far as getting off the field on third down, you know, Pretty good efficiency on defense in the red zone. They didn't let the Seahawks score uh, when they were in the red zone other than, you know, a field goal. So, you know, those were good things. But you can't give up a 92-yard drive in the final minute 52 to lose a game. You have to do something different. And he was asked about it. And, you know, the press conference was very, you know, he he seemed like, you know, he, he was kind of, I don't know, humble maybe after some of the things that had happened to him. You know, he was really, you know, high and mighty with the Patriots and Bill Belichick, won a bunch of Super Bowls, won a bunch of division titles, playoff games, and he goes to the Lions and kind of washes out there. Uh, And then he goes back to New England and he's running parts of the offense. Uh, So I kind of got a sense from him that he's a little more humble. Uh, It was interesting to hear him say when he was asked about that drive in Seattle that, you know, hey, I didn't like any of my play calls. I need to do some things differently. So, you know, this is going to – that maybe was a feeling out process for him with this defense. Um, but again, he, he's, it's, it's like going to battle with one hand tied behind your back with his personnel at linebacker, especially, um, you know, he's trying to get the back end to gel as one unit still struggling in that aspect might not have slay on Monday. So, you know, I, I'm not sure how much he's really going to help. Uh, I think what's going to help is the schedule gets a little easier. You're not playing Seattle on the road or the Niners or the Cowboys, uh, you know, those teams that have beaten the Eagles the last three weeks. So that's going to help. Uh, you're playing Tommy DeVito on Monday, Christmas Day, a quarterback that, you know, is a backup. But they lost to a backup in Seattle and Drew Locke. So, you know, y- you kind of hope that he can find a way to get more out of this defense with his play calling. I don't like the fact that he's not real aggressive. You know, that's the same MO as Desai. So we'll see. I mean, maybe another week will help him kind of settle in a little bit. But 
you know, I, I have my doubts as to whether or not he's the answer uh, for the rest of the season. And that's kind of why I'm a little surprised, too, that they let go of Desai. Yeah, I mean, winning teams don't make these type of changes, though. I'll tell you right now. I mean, the Ravens did something similar during their Super Bowl season when they got rid of Cam Cameron and they went to Jim Caldwell. But that's an outliner. That's not something that just typically happens when you actually come out at the, uh, the positive end of it. So I, I'm with you. I don't think Patricia's going to earn this job either. I mean, we're looking at you're playing Tommy DeVito twice and then Kyler Murray on a very poor Cardinals team. And then you're what you do in the playoffs is really your resume there. I don't think that's going to be enough for the Eagles, especially when if Robert Sala gets fired from the Jets, if Dennis Allen gets fired from the Saints, mm-hmm. some defensive head coaches that have some strong resumes as defensive coordinator are going to be available for the Eagles. And we all know how they treat that posi- that that coordinator job. It's a head coach of a unit. Yeah. They'll, they'll go out there and they'll give the money that they need to as long as the guy comes in and coaches his defense up like Jim Schwartz did the year they brought in Doug Peterson. They coveted Jim Schwartz. They went out there and aggressive for Jim Schwartz. Um, yeah. Same thing for Gannon as well. Gannon was very coveted before he became the Eagles defensive coordinator too as well. So, I mean, the, the Eagles do what they have to to ensure they have a good coach there. And I don't, I just don't see Patricia having the time frame to prove to the Eagles that he could be that guy uh, at this point in time. No, I, I, I agree with you there. And, you know, someone pointed out too that – you know, this is the first time an NFL team has uh, clinched a playoff spot and fired their defense coordinator on the very same day, you know, which is interesting. You know, they it all happened Sunday um, and they really didn't fire their D.C. I mean, he's, but really, they just emasculated him by taking away his play calling and kicking him upstairs into the coaches. Booth. Yeah, I'd rather be fired. It, right. That's why I'm surprised to cite it and say, you know what, I'll just take whatever buyouts coming to me and, uh, you know. We'll call it a day and I'll move on. But he's sticking around to his credit. Uh, he's been, you know, very good about the whole situation. And I'm surprised uh, that he stuck around. But, you know, like I said, give him credit. And uh, he's still here helping, doing what he can and, you know, trying to make this transition a little easier for Patricia and the whole defense. Well, now that you're starting to. you, I don't want to say the side was the scapegoat because I do think he was a major part of the problem. But now that you've eliminated one part of the problem and you're continuing to have problems you're going to have to start eliminating other pro- uh, problems in the field and that's i mean james bradbury i think it's the first where you start yeah Boy, I know he's getting high price tag can't really bench him because you're putting rookies out there without slay and it's just not what we want as a playoff team but he's been such a liability this year oh my god he really has i mean he's just a completely different player than he was last year um you know, the, the full final rookie. drive yeah, you know, he got beat by a rookie for a touchdown, Jackson. I mean, Jackson Smith and Najigba is a pretty good player, but you're a veteran cornerback. You know you're matched up one-on-one, and, and he gets beaten by several yards on that play. I mean, just terrible defense. So they're not going to bench him. I mean, Slay's probably not going to play Monday, so you're already running, you know, rookies out there and Keely Ringo and Eli Ricks and Josh Job. Although Josh Jobs is a second-year guy, but you know they're they're playing with rookies on the other side, so I don't think you're going to go into wow. a game with Bradbury on the bench uh, and starting two rookies. I mean, he is what he is. He's a veteran. You hope he can find his way through whatever he's struggling with. But it's been a tough season for him, no no question. How do you think they're going to fare against the Giants now? Well, they should win. I mean, they're a, you know they have a better roster. They're playing at home. It's Christmas Day. I mean, this is a game they need to win, and they won't win it if they turn the ball over. Jalen Hurts can't throw interceptions. He can't fumble the ball. I mean, they have 21 turnovers as a team, which is way more than they had last year as a team going to the Super Bowl. Um, that's the only way the Giants win is if the Eagles beat themselves and with penalties, turnovers, and, and they can do it. I mean, the Eagles, we've seen. They've done it this year already, so 
you know, they could lose this game. I would be surprised. Um, you know, I think, you know, they're, they're a better team and they just need to go out and prove it and get back on the winning track, get a good taste in your mouth and, you know, try to wrap up this NFC East and get the number two seed because even the number two seed at this point uh, is in question with the Lions and the Eagles both having the same record now. So, um, you know, the Eagles still know what's ahead of them. They're still pretty much a veteran team uh, and they should win this game. And I think they will win this game. Uh, but we've seen them lose before when they beat themselves. They played the Jets. They turned it over three times, committed penalties, and they ended up losing. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they lose, but I think they will win. That's the most frustrating part about those two losses this year against the Jets and the Seahawks was just self-inflicted wounds that could have been avoided in order to win those games. That's just the toughest pill to swallow there, especially yeah. when you're fighting for that one seed now, and it's probably out of reach, the oh, yeah. 49ers. And if you had those two games, even though you lost those Niners, you'd be in the good position to still get that first seed, especially with how the season's ending. So that, those losses are very tough. And I wanted to ask you, Jeff McClain put out this recent report about the internal worry over Jalen Hurts' leadership. And I think that story's being a little, I don't know if I want to say it's misconstrued or it's being taken in negatively by the fan base. And I think incorrectly, because I do buy the story. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't know, maybe the way he worded it, was the what threw people off, but every young quarterback goes through this transition period with their franchises when they're becoming the face of the franchise where you want them to step up and take a higher leadership role than what they've already displayed. I mean, McNabb would throw with the Eagles when he was young quarterback coming into his own, becoming the face of the franchise. Andy Reid had these uh, concerns with him as well, and that ended up working out because, you, you know, with time and age and experience, you become the better leader that you are. Fletcher Cox and Jason Kelsey weren't given these uh press conferences and these speeches about this team packing Chip Kelly's early days. Like they grew into these roles. They grew into this experience. They grew into these circumstances and these adversity situations that they would face. And now they knew how to respond to them. So I have no problem with this report. And I don't think it's a negative. I think it's a positive. I think it's the Eagles just wanting their fran their face of the franchise to become that. When you're, ha when you're handling these three games skids, we don't need to hear about commitment. We need to hear about what you did wrong and what you think you can do better in order to make the team better around you. I mean, that's that's the leadership role that they're asking for. And I think that he's very capable of doing it. And I just think they want a little bit more consistency from that. And that's what the report's all about. And I look, Patrick Mahomes went through it with the Chiefs. Lamar Jackson recently just went through it with the Ravens. All these young quarterbacks becoming the face of the franchise in this era of football. That's the p transition period they go through. And Joan Hurts is no different here. So I don't I see a lot of worry. I see a lot of doubt over this report and a lot of criticizing of McLean and all that. And I think it's silly because I think it's just a natural you know, transition period for a young quarterback to face. This is just it. Yeah, pro probably so. I mean, you're not going to make hurt something he isn't. He's not all of a sudden going to come out and say, yeah, you know, A.J. Brown should catch this or, you know, Sua Peta needs to block better. I mean, he's not you're not going to call people out. I mean, he is what he is. You know, he's not going to change. Now, maybe he feels a little more comfortable as he goes on in his career as to maybe being a little more critical of certain aspects of, of the game and of himself and saying what he needs to do better. But, you know, he's accountable. He, he owned up to the, you know, to the fumbles and to the turnovers that he's committing. He said, it's on me, you know, I have to do a better job. And, uh, you know, I, 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 listen, I mean, stuff always comes out when there's a losing streak like this. I mean, there was none of this talk when the Eagles had 10 wins. There was none of it last year when Hertz was an MVP candidate. Uh, to me, it's just, I guess, probably a lot to do about nothing. Um, 
you know, it's interesting that leaders would come out and say that, and you know, who the leaders are that may have said it. Lane Johnson's not, he doesn't talk ever. So it could be Kelsey, you know, it could be Brandon Graham. Fletcher Cox doesn't talk very often anymore in the locker room. He ordered it as team executives. So, yeah, I doesn't again, always mean that. I know, you know but that's, that's kind of an indictment on the front office if they're giving a guy, you know, two hundred fifty-five million dollars and think now all of a sudden, well, geez, he needs to be different. You know, we need to hear more of him being vocal uh, after games and saying different things. I mean, that that's an indictment on the front office. So, you know, I don't know. I just don't think it's you know, I think it's much to do about nothing, to be honest. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think either. Yeah. I, I really I don't want to say it has nothing to do with nothing. It has much to do with nothing, but I just think it's just an organization. And I, I don't think they made if those comments were to be taken in the context that they were taken in by the story, though. I really don't. I think that's just yeah, we're going through that transition period where young quarterbacks trying to become the face of the franchise and the leader that he is, and he's surrounded he's surrounded by leaders already. That's a thing. I mean, which, how much more words do we need from this Philadelphia Eagles team to make up for the excuses of the what they're going through? I yeah. don't really need much more. And when he questioned commitment, I know he questioned himself, and I, I think he questioned others as well just by saying that word. And I think it's fair. I mean, Quez Watkins on that interception by Julian Love, there was P.I. there, but you would never be able to tell by the way that Quez was acting. And I got to sell that a little bit. You know, I'm getting held by my, my jersey collar. I could feel it. Twist. Twist when that ball is in the air. The refs throwing the flag each time. You know, there, there there's a commitment issue for sure. And I mean, again, we're just making excuses now, but I, I definitely think there is a commitment issue on this team. And I, you know, when the quarterback says something, that's when people start listening. And I think when he made that comment, that's when this story started really brewing. Yeah, I mean, I, this, I, yeah, the I the offense hasn't played well. I mean, they haven't scored over twenty points in three straight games, and. You know, it's not going to win a lot of games in the NFL is if you're scoring 17 points every time out. Um, so the offense says, does have to get better, and it starts with the quarterback, and he simply has to play better. He has to take better care of the football, and, you know, I think things will work themselves out. We won't – if they win these last three games, we won't hear any more about the leadership struggles, whatever it is that, you know, the front office is saying about your quarterback. I mean, all they need to do is win a game and, and Hertz okay. has to take better care of the football and, and all that's gone, gone away. I mean, it, it, it's, it's so tiresome when the team goes into a little funk like this and, you know, all of a sudden your quarterback is not a good leader, you know, all this stuff starts to come out of me. It's ridiculous, you know, just, you know, just play the season out, you know, he's going through a little funk. Okay. Um, doesn't mean the Eagles are wrong, giving him a contract extension. I mean, he's like you say, he's a young guy, 25 years old and, you know, he'll, he'll play his way through this. You will. I agree with you, too. But you're right. He, the turnovers are killing them this year, and yeah. it's, it starts with him. And I, I like to end the show real quick. I really liked what I heard from Nick Sirianni this week, just for all intent and purposes. I know people were bashing him over the P.I. We were going for that because we wanted to get P.I. I thought that was silly, too. I don't. I just don't understand how you had the Buffalo game right in front of you, the perfect script from that Buffalo game right in front of you, and you – you played for the defensive pass interference. That doesn't make sense to me. You have the best kicker. You have arguably the best kicker in the league. Take the dump off to Kenny Gamewell to get the yards to at least get him in field goal position or throw the out route to Devontae Smith and get an even more favorable field goal position. That was that should have been the call. If he was pushed to make his first read and go down to A.J. Brown to get that defensive pass interference, it's silly. It's just silly. That was just bonehead coaching there. So that's all I could say about that. But the rest of the, the accountability that I saw from Nick this week, I liked it a lot. Because a lot of people want to point the finger at Brian Johnson. You and I have talked about this multiple times. We can get red in the face talking about this. Uh, I really like that Nick stepped up 
this year and really, I mean, uh, this weekend really said, you know, Brian's always going to be the one that takes the blame, but it's my fault. This is my offense. I really liked hearing that. Mm-hmm. That's what I always felt from this in the in the beginning. I thought Brian Johnson was really the scapegoat to all this. And can he be a better play caller? Sure. Will he be better? I believe so. That's the problem. I, I think he can get better over time. We just have to give him the patience and the room to grow and become one. But uh, it doesn't. He doesn't get better unless his offense does. And this is Nick's offense. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That. That was a weird thing about, you know, and I asked Hertz in the press conference this week if he even saw Kenny Gainwell or, uh, yeah, it was Kenny Gainwell. He said, no, he didn't see him. I mean, he was right there, a little three yards away. Could have just flipped it to him and he maybe gains 20, 30 yards and gets closer to field goal position. He had all green grass ahead of him, but Hertz never saw him because the play was designed to go down the field. And that's that's kind of a, a worry with this offense. They keep talking about wanting more explosive plays. You know, the Seahawks played – you know, a too high safety most of the game and took away that deep pass. And the Eagles still tried to, you know, pick up these explosive plays. You know, we saw Hertz not see Devontae Smith on an open cross underneath on a third down throw and any underthrows AJ Brown uh, down the sideline. I mean, listen, you have to just take what's there and not worry about, hey, we need an explosive play here. You know, the explosive plays will come in the course of running your offense. You just can't go out and seek them and force them. You have to wait for them to come to you. And that's my concern is the, the Eagles aren't doing that. Hertz isn't doing that. I'm not sure Johnson and Sirianni are doing that when they're calling the plays. I just think that that's this big push is to look for the explosive play and Hertz is going to gun it. He's going to chuck it deep. And if there's two safeties back there, then, you know, hey, it's up to the guy, the receiver like Brown or Smith or whoever the third receiver is to, to find a way to make a play, get open, separate. Uh, and, and that's hard to do when you're double covered or triple covered. Um, so I, that's my concern is you need to take what's there underneath. If it's there, dump offs, if they're there and not worry about forcing the ball deep to Smith or Brown. Now, when I say this, I don't believe it'll end the same way at all. I really don't. I truly don't. I truly don't believe this, but this hero ball that from Jalen hurts this year is reminiscent to what Carson Wentz was doing in 2020. I mean, not even just 2020, but that was reminiscent of what Carson Wentz was doing post Frank, Wright. Mm-hmm. There was always a coach there that reeled. Carson back in. I mean, he didn't have him that long, but it was it was Frank. And, you know, Shane Seichen was Jalen Hurts' b- most consecutive tenured offensive coordinator in a while wa- since high school. Yeah. So to have that comfortability and that chemistry, there was some you can definitely see it from last year compared to this year. Someone was reining Hurts in. Someone was saying, like, this is what you should be doing, and this is how you can be safe with the ball, and this is the the smart stuff that we should be taking in order to be productive. And that that's that saying is not being done this year. That coaching is not being done this year because there's too much hero ball being put on mm-hmm. play, and that's where Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni had to figure out what Shane did perfectly to get to Jalen to make him, you know, flow incredibly well. And I, it really is motion. It really is. It's that's what they're really missing. Making things easier for Jalen is what's missing this year, and, and a lot of that has to do with motion. Yeah, I mean, they, they didn't motion anymore last year when they went to the Super Bowl. But, you know, again, I think defenses adjust, and now you have to adjust back and maybe show a little motion, even if you're not gaining anything from it. At least you're moving the defense around. Maybe they're opening up something that you didn't see by being stagnant in your offensive set. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I You know, I think this whole emphasis on explosive plays is killing them. You know, it is. they're trying to force explosive plays. And and sometimes they're not there. The defenses know what's coming. They know what the Eagles want to do, and they're taking it away. And the Eagles aren't adjusting and saying, all right, we'll take the dump off. We'll take the shallow cross. We'll take the over the middle with Dallas Goddard. They're not doing it. They just insist on throwing it deep, trying to make the big play, and, and that's risky. 
Yeah, I mean, these teams are playing these safeties deep for a reason. They don't fear the Eagles rushing attack. I wouldn't either if I was playing against them because they don't really utilize it well enough. And they know they want to go to for the big play with AJ and Devontae. So they yep. play two safeties deep. And it's that's really where when Nick Bosa said we provided the blueprint for the Eagles. No, he didn't. <laughs> the Eagles provided the blueprint for themselves when they said just play two safeties deep against us and you're good. Yep. That's what it is. Uh, nobody fears their rushing attack. Nobody because it's so underutilized, so inconsistent. Why would you? And when that's why DeAndre Swift has the big runs that he has is because these safeties are so deep playing for the big shot. And that's how you beat the Eagles. That's really is. That's how you beat the Eagles. And that's it's working for during this third three game skid so far. So hopefully, you know, what the best thing I thought about when they were going to Patricia was all right. Now this team is seeing their faults and they're going back to the basics. I didn't really see that on offense against Seattle. So hopefully this time around with all the Know, the turmoil in the three game skid, they really wake up this week. They're in prize. So let's go back to the basics and let's play ba basic fundamental football, make things easier for our quarterback. Let's motion, let's let's lean on the rushing attack, something like that. That's all we can hope for. I'm not expecting it at this point, but that's all we can hope for. All right. What yeah. is your score prediction, Ed? Uh, I think the Eagles will, <laughs> I think they'll find a way to win. I think they'll win like 24 to 16, somewhere along those lines. Mm -hmm. I, I think they'll get back in the winning track, though, against the Giants at home. Oh, on Christmas Day. I could be wrong, but I think they're four and a half favorites for the Giants. Might be a little bit more. Could be yeah, wrong. I'm sure. I'm not sure. But I also have them being in a tight game against the Giants because, you know, say what you will about the Giants and their record this year and what Brian Dable's like kind of failing to do, but Martindale's not failing at all. Martindale's been great for them. Uh, their defense is pretty solid. So I think it's going to be a tough game as well. And I think he's going to have a good game plan against Jalen Hurts. I think it's going to be 21 17 Eagles. Let's hope. Let's hope they get over 17. That's all that matters. Yep. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. Thank you again for tuning yep. in for Eagles Unfiltered. You guys have a wonderful holiday season. and Enjoy the time with your families as well. We'll see you all maybe before the new year or right after it. Thank you guys again for tuning in. Have a great one. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.